Welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe. I am in Four Stream Studios with Jonathan Brad, and we had such a good time on our Meet a Member episode with Chris Cargill that we asked him to come back. So Thank you, guys. I went home, changed yeah. shirts, and uh, here I am. So he's here with us, too. This is very exciting. You know, guys, I had a question for you Yeah. that I hope you can answer. Bring it. So people say I'm strange. Does it make me a stranger? It, if my best friend was born in a manger, I'm just, I need to know. Did you just come up with that? Yeah. That was uh, very <laughs> lyrical. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it makes you strange. It probably makes you a freak. What? Yes, that's right. Wait, is this Nirvana or... Pearl Jam, or? That's right, guys. Today's episode is the DC Talk Jesus Freak episode. That long guitar note in the background. Yeah. It is the 25th anniversary of DC Talk's Jesus Freak. Oh, my word. That's crazy. Isn't that that wild, guys? 25 years. So I thought it would be cool. I I, uh, summoned you all here this afternoon. And I thought it'd be cool to just hang out and talk about the significance, the impact, the cultural impact of this record, um, how it broke many uh, CCM stereotypes and kind of created a almost a whole new genre, I guess you could say, and um, and really just introduced DC Talk to the masses. I feel like as this was their most important record. This was yes. a major leap forward from Free at Last. Yes. <laughs> Their previous album. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm pumped. Yeah, I mean, we did the episode, I don't even know how long ago now, where we just kind of talked about CCM in general, and all of us, right. without exception, yeah. talked about how formative this album was for each of us as individuals. And, I mean, I think it's clear that it's it was formative on the industry as a whole, and so... Yeah, it deserves its own episode. Yeah, w- so in prep for this, I, I definitely uh, went back and re-listened which I've yeah. sh- I've shown my kids like the kind of the couple of the hits if you will off oh, the sure. album, um, but I went back and re-listened to it from start to finish, uh, and oh, yeah. yeah, it took me it took me way back like a single listening, mm. start to finish, it was fantastic. So for those who are listening that don't even know what we're talking about, um, talking about decent Christian talk, <laughs> <laughs> we're just <laughs> that's right. Uh, before we get, basically what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about this album. We're going to do a track by track discussion and almost a review, but it's really just like a fan podcast. This is just a fan episode because we're just, we just love DC talk so much. Yeah. We're all just going to fanboy it, fawn right. over this for a little yep. while. So, uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, I went on Wikipedia, which is really helpful to find accurate information. It's reliable. Yeah. And we I'm, have a membership to Wikipedia. I, when <laughs> I was do. in college, I, my professor, no lie, I mean, they were, they told us, you can use Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, there's enough, it's it's sourced a So lot, there's footnotes. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of citations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This is legit. Yeah. So, Jesus Freak is the fourth studio album by the band DC Talk and was released on November 21st, 1995 on Forefront Records. The album was released 
to both critical and commercial acclaim. It peaked at number 16 on the Billboard 200. That's Whoa. right, the Billboard 200. That's not just Christian music. Everybody. Where the real music was? That's where the real bands were. And six of the album's seven singles reached number one across various Christian radio formats. It won the 1997 Grammy for Best Rock Gospel Album, which that's an interesting category, rock gospel. <laughs> the album went gold within the first month of its release and has been certified double platinum in the United States. Um, after three albums of... Which, can someone clarify for me? Because I always forget yeah. the numbers. Like, what is what is platinum? Like, how many albums Over have a you million. sold? Over a million. Sheesh. So, double platinum, that's just in the United States. And if you go diamond... Yeah, what is that, sold 10? 10 million. Yeah. Very few bands have done that. Yeah. Very impressive. So, and and really for a Christian album to be this successful uh, had never been done before up until this point. So, pretty significant. After three albums of hip-hop-oriented sound, including the Grammy Award-winning third album, Free at Last, which Chris mentioned earlier, uh, which was based primarily on hip-hop and pop-oriented songwriting, the trio decided to innovate and reinvent their style. So Jesus Freak incorporated a heavier rock sound, elements of grunge uh, that were popular at the time. So they kind of were able to mix rap and rock for the first time ever, I think, in CCM at least. I'm sure, I mean, Rage Against the Machine was out, so I'm sure you, you had bands like that that were already doing kind of the rap rock thing, but yeah, it had never been done in Christian music. Chili Peppers. Chili Peppers. Um, so pretty impressive. Rich Mullins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Michael Tate, quote, I was totally into rock and roll at the time. I really wanted to make a rock record. We wanted to write songs that would hopefully touch a generation. Yeah. So here we are, 25 years later, talking about well, Shades Midweek. And Michael Tate, for those of you that don't know, Michael Tate's black, but he said that he's not into rap. Wasn't his thing. Yeah. He's, he's like, I love He's he like, I love rock and roll. I think he was in his school's glee club. It was yeah. uh, Toby Mac, who's white, that was super into hip hop, super into rap. Yeah. And throughout the albums, he does most of the rapping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pr- pretty interesting. And I think he and Michael Tate formed the band in the 80s. Okay. In Virginia, yeah. I think they were at Liberty. They were, yeah, they were. They were Liberty <laughs> students, right? You know, and actually, Jerry Falwell Jr. was the original fourth member. <laughs> Little known but, fact. Oh my no, word. But uh, work out. one of their first performances, it was. I don't think uh, Kevin Max was in the band yet, but I think one of their first performances was actually at Jerry Falwell's house. Wow! In his backyard. Senior or junior? Senior. 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 Senior, yeah. Like Toby, Toby oh, Mac right. and Michael Tate, yeah. So that wow. would have been in the 80, the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And then even before Jesus Freak, they were pretty big. I saw a, a YouTube video where they're on, Le- um, not Letterman, but they're on Jay Leno. Yeah, that free and last album definitely yeah. was pretty big for them, for sure. They did a and cover of Lean on Me. They did do a cover of Lean on Me. And Jesus is Just All Right. The oh, Doobie yes. Brothers. yes. They covered that song on that. So I'm I'm curious really quickly. So you said it came out November of 1995. Yep. So I'm curious as to how old all of you were when this album dropped because I was 12, and that uh, that's very significant for me for a couple of reasons. But how old were y'all? I was eight. I was ten. Wait, when did it drop? 95. 95. Seven? November of 95. Seven years old. So, like, would it be, I mean, were y'all listening to it at eight and seven? Would it be a few years before y'all would discover it? Or It was the first CD I ever got. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I got it till I was, I don't think I got it till 96. 
I think was uh, so I may have been like nine by the time I got gotcha. the CD. Gotcha. So music wasn't like big in my life until sixth grade. Sixth grade is when I turned twelve years old, and it's because I started learning how to play drums. Um, and so this is when I really began to just kind of like cut my musical teeth, and and I, I cut my musical teeth on grunge. And so when DC Talk drops Jesus Freak. It, it, it's like everything that I was loving about music that I was coming to know about it, like like entering into my Christian acceptable church world. <laughs> and it was just, I don't know, it was it was magic. It was it was absolutely magic. I actually remember when I learned uh, who DC Talk was and because I didn't I didn't even hear the free at last album before this or any of that kind of thing. I, I just wasn't really that into music outside the context of whatever we were doing at church. Um, and I was in, this is actually a really sad story, guys. I was in Houston, Texas. We were visiting some, some friends of my, my mom's and there, they, my, my, there was a, they had a son, uh, who's just a couple of years older than I was. And he was like, Hey, do you want to go to Six Flags over Texas? And there's a concert today. And I was like, well, who's the concert? And it, it was, it was DC talk and they were on the Jesus freak tour. And, but, but I didn't know who they were yet. And so I was like, I, I guess we can go. I mean, whatever. But we ended up, I don't know what came up or what have not, but we ended up not going. And I missed my opportunity to oh, see DC man. talk in, mm. in concert. But it was, it was short. That was the first time I remember hearing about them. And it was shortly after that, that I got their album on cassette. Yeah. Yeah, I think we first got the album on cassette. I know I listened to it when I was seven because I can remember going into Christian bookstores and there being all the posters and the big cardboard cutout. Um, there being merch, and I think, but I think that my dad bought it though. I mean, he he loved like anything like this, like Christian rock, CCM. I mean, he was just all in it, so he would get all that stuff. He's a bit of a metalhead, we wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he was not. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I can remember we listened to it in the car with him, listened to it in the car with my mom. I loved it. It was, yeah. it, I was edgy, and I was like, I'm listening to this with my parents. And it was Christian. It was cool. So yeah, I mean, I was seven. I felt couldn't, that way with the first. I couldn't Creed even record. read yet, you know. Well, I mean, it, it was such a solid album, like the whole thing, start to finish. I mean, you said what? It had seven singles. Yeah. Seven. I mean, what other album has? <laughs> uh, I mean. Uh, Matchbox 20's first album, maybe? Well, Third Eye Blind's uh, first record, five out of the first six songs were singles. Were singles. That's that's like, mm. uh, what what's the Matchbox 20 uh, album? I don't remember. It's the one that has Long yeah. Day and Push. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's the same kind of thing. But there are very few albums that I can think of. Yeah. That that like that kind of thing happens just because it's such a solid record from from start to finish and and I used to listen to it from start to finish because I listened to it on cassette. <laughs> there was no skip. I did, however, obviously listen to the Jesus Freak track over and over and over again because I listened to it. I would rewind and replay it so much that my tape got stretched out <laughs> and it began to lag and yeah. drag in in that track because it's the, it's like the third track on the album. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah, I was trying to find like interviews and stuff for like articles online. It's kind of hard, you know, back in that time. I mean, I'm sure like I guess Christianity Today was like I mean, I know CCM magazine was around, 
But I did find a couple of comments just from Toby Mac, and it was produced by Toby Mac, actually. Toby Mac and this other guy named Mark Heimerman, who uh, Mar- Mark Heimerman did some stuff with, like, Rich Mullins, and he had done a lot of things. But uh, So I did find a couple of quotes that I thought were cool. Uh, Toby Mac said, This record was more the three of us than anything we had ever done together up to that point. This was the first album that sounded like Michael, Kevin, and Toby. Those guys are such great vocalists that I didn't have any more time for them to sing choruses. I wanted to hear some of their passionate vocals in the verses and beyond. Looking back, I'm so glad that we took a hip-hop touring group and added guitars and rock to transform and grow the sound. We went into that house. They recorded it. They called it the House of Insomnia. uh, That we turned into a studio with no formula and said musically whatever comes out comes out we kept the same goal in mind to use our music and platform to point people to god mm. so it was pretty cool they really didn't have much sure. of an agenda other than they I, it was clear they wanted to make a rock record and they wanted kevin max and tate to really just perform vocally like they really hadn't done before on the previous records because if you you know i i listened to it as well like i listened to it all the way through uh, at least once this week, and um, Toby Mac definitely like takes a back seat on pretty much everything. Like, there's a few like verses that he raps, but he's mm. like it's it is primarily Tate and Kevin Max, especially Kevin Max for well, sure. It's really interesting that Kevin Max is even in the band. Like, I don't know how he got <laughs> in the band. I was looking for that because he's into like British rock. He's like, yeah, I was yeah. super into like The Cure. I uh, was super into David Bowie, and if you yeah. go back and listen to their early albums, it's it's hip hop, it's rap, it sounds like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like yeah. LL Cool Cool J, like yeah. that's the vibe. Cheesy, and yeah. but then every you, now and then Kevin be like, oh yeah, he'd do that thing he <laughs> he's does. In there. And if you look at their performances, Kevin Max is standing behind a keyboard because he's he doesn't really want to dance, you know. But like they're on stage with a bunch of dancers, yeah. and so I mean the fact that he was in the band, uh, it's, it's kind of wild to me. But yeah, I mean, he definitely comes. He's through definitely in his like album. the artistic one out of the band for sure. Cause he yeah, had, like poetry and yeah, and all that. Well, stuff. and Jesus Freak was on Virgin Records, right? I mean, yeah, huge they record got a, label. They got the so when I read that that after it came out on Forefront, they got distribution through Virgin oh, Records okay. like after that because it did so well early on. Like it went gold really quickly, and then Virgin Records picked it up and helped like distribute it like as a label or whatever. Uh, worked out, but I can't remember who it was, but at first, uh, I think it was uh, Michael Tate that said this. That like they did not like Jesus Freak when they like introduced some songs, like some of the producers. Oh yes, I have that. They're quote. like, this isn't going to work. Gonna, thank you, thank you for segueing that for me. Of course, this is from Mike Heimerman. This was the co-producer. And he wrote some songs on the record, too. When we were finishing up the project, we played Jesus Freak for the label for the first time, and let's just say it wasn't received well. (laughs) Can you imagine working on that record and then the label just hating it? I I later heard that they thought it was the beginning of the end for DC Talk. Funny now for sure, but they were wise enough to trust Toby and keep riding that DC talk train. We won the devil. We won. So that's his actual quote. We won the Dove Award for Song of the Year in '96 for Jesus Freak, and I think we were both shocked. Up until that year, it was always the most conservative music that would win. It was truly groundbreaking within within the industry to see eighty thousand people at a Billy Graham crusade singing a song that you were a part of is overwhelming and beyond hum- humbling. So. so so the reason they didn't think it was going to succeed was because 
the grunge element and then yeah. the lyrical element as well. Like yeah. there had just been nothing like that. And they're like, this yeah. isn't going to work for conservative Christians right. that buy this music. <laughs> it's really rocking. Like the mix is it's um, I don't know how else to explain this. Maybe Chris, you can say this better since you've been in a band too for such a long time, but it's mixed like a band record. Like it's yeah, not absolutely. mixed like a, like a, so, like a solo artist or like a pop singer. When you hear those records, it's like the vocals are very much up front and mm-hmm. everything's kind of tucked back and it still sounds very good. But with this record, it's like up front, the guitars are mixed loud and the drums are mixed loud. You know what I mean? Yes. And that, I mean, especially on the song, Jesus freak. Mm-hmm. I mean, and some of the guitars are so dark, you know, just not what you would expect from a CCM record. Yeah. Because it is so dark and heavy. How is it that record companies are always just so wrong? <laughs> like it makes it feels, a great story though, well, because this, I mean, this in the story business. feels so common, right? You yeah. know, of like the mo. So I think about like Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody, right, or something like that. Like like record companies are just like no one will like this. It will, and then it's like you know, it's the greatest work the band ever does. And it's just so popular, and it's. I'm like, yeah. your job, record company, is to know when something will actually sell. And you are, There's a, based on the evidence, it looks like you're terrible at your job. I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland like several years ago with Ashley because she has family up there, and I really wanted to go. And for the there's like some stuff from U2 there, and one of them, it was like this letter that U2 got. It was like a letter from a label. They had sent in their demo tape before they got signed and blew up. And it's like a rejection letter. It's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'm like, man, I bet that guy that wrote that letter feels really <laughs> stupid right now <laughs> that he rejected you too and did not like their demo tape and he skipped out on them. So yeah, it's it's definitely common. But he sure. did sign Millie Vanilli, so <laughs> So he redeemed so there's some redemption. There. Yeah, it's a happy ending for everybody. Cool. Well, uh, do you guys just want to talk about the track by Let's track? Do Should we it. burn down the tracks? Let's listen to a little bit of the beginning of So Help Me God. Oh, so when you when you bought this CD or cassette tape, this is like the first thing you hear when you put it on this kind of filtered guitar. It, well, and see, this feels to me like coming straight from grunge. Like it makes yeah. me think it's kind Nirvana, of nasty. Like, the like, chords are strange. Just a huge think of Our Lady Peace. <laughs> well, even that. And then that. Yeah. Well, even the whole, like, I got something for you, man. Yeah. I mean, that it almost sounds like y'all aren't ready for what's coming. Man. Toby Mag. Drums are amazing. I mean, the band is incredible on yeah. this album. I, I, I feel like the I was just about to say that the snare is so tight, almost like a, like a piccolo snare. It I feel is. like that's such a yeah. 90s sound. Yep. That's true. Well, I was I watched a live performance in Portland. I think it was like 1997, oh, yeah. maybe or 1996, and the band, the lead guitarist, looks like Kurt Cobain, like a spitting image of Kurt Cobain, <laughs> and then the drummer looks like Dave Grohl from Nirvana, There's, and even his drum set is like set up <laughs> like Dave Grohl. There's drum just set long from greasy Nirvana. hair and flannel everywhere, and, and the way Gene that it's shot off. too has kind of like a smells like Teen Spirit vibe, <laughs> right? And like everyone's jumping up and down and going crazy, but they're singing like, "What would people think if I'm a Jesus freak?" <laughs> yeah. You know, and so there's that yeah. that grunge, there's that like angst there's that intensity there's that attitude 
and it's talking about being a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, as a teenager, I mean, it's just you resonate with that so deeply. Yeah. Agreed. You know? This is going to be a reoccurring theme for me, but as I was listening to all the tracks and I was just kind of writing down like what I thought, Kevin Max is like this he he comes up with all of these vocal riffs that I just I I can't understand how I think they just told him on every song like let's say they like got done with the song like they were feeling really good and they're like okay Kevin can you just go back in there and I just want you to just riff the whole song and we're just and if there's some good stuff because the fact that he does the that's such a great melody it's such a small little so that that first song, there's like so much ear candy throughout that that whole well, song. I, I feel like it just sets the tone from the record from the opening. I've got something for you, man, and and just on. I mean, the, the, the guitar solo that comes later in that song. Yeah, this. Oh my word! I mean, they they let it all out. It's just like here, here it comes. This is what you're about to hear. All those harmonies. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I can't not sing this wild. I, yeah. And I think the uh, the strangeness of none of them playing instruments. Yeah, it is kind of strange, isn't it? It's like the boy band setup. Yes, but but they're rocking. Yeah, they're they're doing a rock show. It's very interesting. Yeah, I can't think of another band. You know, at least at that time, that was doing something like that. Where the front men or front men or women are all just singing, no one's playing an instrument, and they just have yeah. a rocking band. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Well, there, there. One thing I was gonna add at the end of this song. Do you guys remember what happens at the very end of the song? They do these things. They throw a bunch of like w- little clips and stuff throughout this whole album. Do you, I do. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I was gonna talk about. Do you that. have a story about it? Can I just play I, it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. And then and then you can So the so the song ends. Do you have a story? You can tell if you know. I don't okay. have a story. I just it's just interesting. Uh, so it kind of ends with this weird this oh, like gongas. Right. Gongas. Goes out of tune but then listens. I just walked into a meeting three. And everybody stared at me. I gotta go. Okay, so so that's <laughs> Kevin Max, right? And he's saying, I just walked into a meeting three. And everybody's staring at me. I gotta go. What is what is the context here? Do you have do you have the information? I have right? a guess. Okay, but I don't know one hundred percent. But okay. I'm taking that, and I'm taking something that I heard Michael oh. Tate say in a documentary. Okay, okay. So uh, right after that, uh, I walked just walked into a mean three, and everybody's staring at me. I gotta go. Yeah. Right into colored people. Yes. So in the documentary, Michael Tate tells a story about how he was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And then he walked into a restaurant. He was going to go rock climbing. And they went. Uh, he was with some guys, and they walked into a restaurant to get food. And when he walked in, uh, an older gentleman looked at him and said, what are you doing in here, boy? And he said, oh, excuse wow. me? And the guy said, you don't need to be around here. And Michael Tate wow. goes, it's a free country. And he goes, well, you better not be around here when it's dark, or we're going to hang you. Whoa. Whoa. And so he talks about that traumatic experience that he had. 
And then in the documentary, they start talking about DC Talk and how there were two white members, one black member, and the yeah. relationship that they had and how um, not only that experience, but their relationship affected their music. And so the fact that it's, it's interesting because it's Michael Tate yeah. saying it. Or Kevin Mack saying it, right? Well, in the, oh. in the album, it's Michael, or excuse me, it's Kevin Mack yes. saying it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but then the fact that it goes right into colored people yeah. it's just saying, makes they're, me they're think saying that, something. that there's a connection there. So Yeah. That was I'd never heard that story before. Pretty wild. Wow. What documentary is this? Go to YouTube and type in DC Talk documentary. Wow. There's a documentary part one and two. Wait, and I just realized all three members, their first names are two syllables, last name one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. They planned it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, and just just for a second, because I know we're about to talk about that second track, uh, Colored People. I mean, just even in the, the name of the album jesus freak and then just the titles of these first two tracks like i just love what they do lyrically and 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 in their titling of things like it all is just they're just coming at everything from a little bit of a different angle taking words in the way that they're normally used and then reappropriating them so like so help me god like you don't think of that in any sense of like a an expression of faith kind of phrase that's like an anger phrase or whatever but like i mean like all of it turns into this prayer throughout this song so help me god to put my faith in you and to to, to trust in you and all of that the same thing with freak like and and their use of that uh word and language and so anyway it's just interesting what they do and and right into this second track right here colored people um like that phrase has a particular connotation like like you know this is a an older uh way that people would have talked about black people in society and and yet they take this and they put forward a song about racial reconciliation and uh, i just love the way they constantly play with that kind of thing throughout the entire album yeah yeah pretty amazing um this the colored people. Just the song in general is is pretty impressive. It was I, I know it was one of the singles off the record too. Um, but just when I, I since I was like nine, I think when I first heard the album, I had no idea what the word epidermis was. So I had to look it up because I was just like, "What are they talking about? What is epidermis? Why are they? What see, is this?" See, word? I was in middle school, so I had encountered the joke. Your epidermis is showing, right? And you know, one of your friends will do that too, and you're like, "What? What? What?" Yeah, you know. And, but I mean, you know, they're they're not just talking about you know. Uh, faith and in and um, issues of salvation and, and all of that. I mean, there you know, 1995. Here we are, DC Talk, talking about socially Man. relevant issues and the gospel application to them. It yeah. still it still applies today. Like it rings true today. Like any like any great album or great piece of art. I mean, I know there's probably some cheesy stuff on this album too. But I mean, to take it to look at it seriously though, um, it still applies today. Like any of those great. Like Bob Dylan records, for example, like you can listen to them and still apply it to things that are happening within our culture today. So I feel like they really they really hit it on the head with with several of these songs in regards to that. But yeah, colored people. I didn't have yeah. much other than that. Other than at the end, Kevin Max just destroys it with some <laughs> vocal fills. <laughs> colored people, colored oh, yeah. people, well, yeah. And you have to think when the record label is like. Think you know the the lyrics are too edgy for a Christian audience. I mean, you have to think that this song was on their mind yeah. when talking about race in this album. And so, if we aspire 
to share this space, repentance is the cure. I mean, those are some of the lyrics. One of the things that I noticed when I was re-listening to the album is how much they talk about repentance. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's spread throughout the album. Um, Just a lot of talk of repentance, a lot of talk of forgiveness. Um, Yeah, that just struck me as I was re-listening to it. But but you get that right here. And I, I thought it interesting that this is the track that precedes Jesus Freak. Like, I thought it interesting that, okay, we're going to talk about something that's going to challenge people and push people, and I might even potentially get labeled as strange because of this. Like, it just feels like there's almost this thematic flow, and, like, I'm, I'm willing to change and to push. Uh, I'm willing to, to push for change and to push these borders because of my love for Christ. And, mm. you know, I don't care what people think. So what if people call me a Jesus freak? Yeah. Or whatever, you know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's some, some thought as to why colored people is up front track number two. Sure. Yeah. 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 Should we move on to track number three? I think we shall. The one that that everybody's waiting on. This is it. This is Nirvana, or I know I mean, that's what it feels like. I mean, that had to be intentional. Right? Even these drums. Yeah, the intro. <laughs> Very similar to Dave Grohl's film. Yeah, right. There's a great key First change like there, too. Because the acoustic is in a different key, the opening riff, and then they blast into a totally different key. Kevin Max. Oh. Kevin Max, oh. over the top. He's doing it again, right? Oh, yep. oh. Yeah. They're it, like, dude, go in and do it. something. And it makes it. It makes it. And then just the verse, just Tate. like, smells there's, like Team Spirit. Goes there's, down. Yeah. Yep. Like there's Tate. It's just... Uh, yeah, the quiet loud was a very popular uh, approach to, yeah. to heavy rock music in the 90s. Here comes yeah. Toby. It just sounds really good, I think, mixed and mastered on the radio, too. I saw Dude, a man with a tat on oh. his big fat belt. <laughs> as a kid, I, I loved I loved this verse as a kid. Yeah. It, it cracked me up every time. And you know what? It still does. I recently played this song for my uh, my, my children and Levi, my, my 11-year-old. He... he absolutely love that verse it's a great verse it's toby mack kills it. Tra- I mean, tried to match the rhythm of his belly with my head i still <laughs> know that verse by me heart. too <laughs> me too you want to go for it real quick <laughs> jesus but, saves is what it raved in a typical tattoo green stood yeah. on a box yeah in the i mean of the city and yeah i mean as a teenager the last thing that you want people to know is that you're a christian right i mean yeah. it's like oh gosh please like don't ask me about my faith. Don't have me like talk about it, please. And to have this like song that's like, yes, yeah, so what? I'm a Jesus freak, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, it kind of. As a middle schooler, you're like, yeah. yeah. I remember it, this like, song. It like gives you this confidence that you just so <laughs> desperately want to have. I mean, it did for me. I can't. Yeah. I can't deny that. I rem- this this I remember. I'm about to say a very mid '90s sentence. <laughs> I remember skating to this song at the <laughs> skating rink. <laughs> and not on Christian skate night. Yeah, no. It was that popular. It was that popular. Wow. They had a top 40 song in this, right? I mean, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they did. You're right, Brad. Um, yeah, I mean, and they did the book. They had the book, uh, oh, Jesus so Freak, much oh, about the martyrs. There were Bible studies. <laughs> I mean, it was huge. Yeah. Well, they, they really like... Two volumes of that Jesus freak. Marketing wise, like they really hit that. Like just the term Jesus freak, they like really, like you're saying, Brad, like they really tapped into something there within the culture. I think because with the 90s, there was so much of the alternative rock scene and 
you know, it was all kind of about being different and like yep. kind of, uh, and so to have, to kind of turn it on its head a little bit, like right. for Christians not to be looked at like, as like kind of funda- fundamental or conservative or whatever, or kind of like we don't listen to secular music, but like turning it on its head and be like, actually it, it, we're pretty weird. It's yeah. pretty weird that we do this and we're unique in, in this way. Like this is what helps us make, makes us unique, yeah. I guess. And Nirvana, you think you're weird? You right. think you're doing something well? No. <laughs> It's the church that's doing something wild, <laughs> right, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, when Newt Gingrich came out to it. Uh, <laughs> Did he come out to the song? No. <laughs> that would have been great, though. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. He took yeah, off but, his shirt. I mean, obviously it resonated with a lot of people, right? I mean, the themes that they hit in this album. Right. Well, well and I I mean, I, I loved it. I remember as a, as a kid, like, the, the second verse, like, gets into the upside-down nature of the, uh, the Christian life. And you talking about not understanding the word epidermis oh, yeah. in colored people this was i think this was the first place i got the word kamikaze Kamikaze. <laughs> oh. my death is gain right 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 but like, <laughs> I, I remember like look cool man yeah i remember looking that up and and like figuring out what they meant metaphorically there oh man and uh, and then they go into that the, the rap rock comparison yeah. with john the baptist right and how strange how and weird, weird he, he was. was and i'm just he like ate locusts yeah. yeah pretty cool yeah and, and the king took his head. Yeah. The Pharisees tripped when they heard him speak. <laughs> yeah, man. Very cool, man. Another yeah. another amazing guitar solo too in this song. Yeah, we we played a little bit earlier, but it is one of the gnarliest right here. It's so gnarly. The note the note choices there are really cool. Yeah. I don't know what scale they're playing on, but it's it's dark. It's so cool. 25 years, boys, and I'm still not tired of it. And then they, when you get to the end, there's some pretty gnarly guitar stuff at the end, too. They bend those high notes. You know? Just rocking out in the car with your mom when you're nine years old. (laughs) I was. This little... Oh my goodness! Yeah, you know their I mean, that kind of you know their band so uh, their band actually like put out their own album later oh, yeah, I un- that. under the name Zilch. Oh. Um, the band was tight. Yeah, very tight. Um, and and you can tell like if you go listen to that uh that album, uh, it's uh you can tell that they were the band for for DC Talk. Um, I even think like the album opens with the band being introduced by. Uh, like it's it's from one of their live shows, and I, I don't remember which singer it was for for DC Talk, but I I dug that album a lot too. As a did as they a only kid. do one record? I think so. I'll look real quick. But any more we want to talk about with uh with Jesus Freak? I mean, I what think else, we do we do we have a lot of tracks to go. What if yeah. I stumble? The, the uh, this is the first ballad on the record. Yep, and it opens up with this. Quote from Brennan Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So he wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. I right, loved yep, that, that was a popular book. Which Rich Mullins re- named his band after yes. that book, a ragamuffin band. He he named his and so oh, yeah. so that's Brennan Manning saying that quote. Pretty pretty 
pretty awesome. Like I feel like yeah. I, I just I just trying to think back to that time period. I'm like, what Christian bands were even doing anything like this? Right. I mean, like within that sort of uh, more popular genre of Christian music, mm-hmm. like right. that they would play a clip where this guy's basically saying like. Uh, Christians suck, right? <laughs> like calling out. The we church. have a really bad public witness. Yeah. You know? Well, I even yeah, like yeah. how they. Uh, the record is more of a rock record, but they keep the, the hip hop. Uh, yeah. You know, keeping yes. tracks, little skits, and yes. it's got that other, vinyl other sound. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that keep that that pull the the songs together. I thought that was pretty Well, neat. and even how yeah, yeah. this song starts out with that quote that's kind of this like prophetic call to the church to wake up, like stop blaming the culture around you for atheism. What if it's your witness to the culture that's affecting this? So it's kind of this, you know, this uh, prophetic call. But then the first line is, what if I stumble? What if I fall? So it's like this prophetic call and then this self-reflection from DC right. Talk. Being like, yeah, you know, I mess up too. I fail. What's this going to mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the whole song goes on just to express like this angst about we've been put in this public spotlight. There are lots of people looking at us. Yep. And and what if them, you know, uh, their faith uh, is affected negatively because of us uh, stumbling. Christian Christian celebrity. Yeah. They turn it on themselves. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Because you, well, <laughs> which is so cool because you kind of expect, like, after that quote, you kind of expect a song that's gonna be like, "Yeah, all you out there, y'all, y'all stink, y'all are terrible, you're causing right. atheism, you know, exactly. or whatever." Like that's what you expect lyrically is coming is like some big rebuke of the church, but they turn it on themselves, which I think then invites it invites you as the listener, the listener. in a yep. more profound way to to consider. Yep, you reflect on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, totally. No, and I would do that. I would listen to the song and cry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> as a as a seven year old, Brad's weeping in his room out of conviction. Hey, don't, no, don't, weeping in the van with his mom. Don't underestimate the uh, emotional depth of a seven year old. Well, That's we right. all know Thank that you you, you, you were running to the altar. Yes, after this yeah. song. when I was seven, I I mean I well I was I guess ten when this came out, but it this song especially had a major impact on me. I don't I didn't understand how or why but mm. if you want to get that running to the altar uh reference you're gonna have to listen to the other episode the meet a member episode with chris cargill i forgot that we recorded that in the last episode oh, yes. <laughs> the only other thing i was going to say about this song in particular is that the accordion it's an accordion right is that what that is or is it something else i don't know what that is. is it an accordion i heard a triangle there's a triangle. I think there is an accordion. Could be a layered cool. thing, but I just thought that was really cool. Yep. That's kind of my take. There's a great solo. There's actually a great like mandolin type solo later. So that 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 song has a musically speaking, it's like completely different than the first three tracks. Okay. Track number five is really interesting. So as we mentioned earlier, DC Talks free at last record, they covered some songs. So day by day is from Godspell. It's from a Broadway musical. Really? Yeah. And I could just, Kevin Max still puts out music today and he does a lot of covers. So I feel like, I, I'm just making this up, but I feel like the cover songs were kind of him like pushing the band to be like, hey, let's do like some interesting covers. What about 
day by day from the Broadway musical Godspell. <laughs> so they kind of do their own version of that. And what's funny for me about this song is that I didn't know that it was from Godspell, so I didn't know this was like a really known thing. And the first time I watched the movie Meet the Parents, the scene I was going to bring that up. <laughs> the scene where Ben Stiller sits down with his future wife's family, Robert De Niro, and they ask him to pray. And is he like Jewish or something? In yes. There? Yeah. Yeah. And he says the he's like, well, Lord, these three things I pray, ju- and it's from Godspell. But when I was watching it, I was like. The DC talks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, if if you watch uh, in the scene, like a little, it's just shortly before that they're in the grocery store, and day by day is actually playing in the background, oh. like on the grocery store speaker music, like and, the Godspell version. Yeah, and that's, that's what prompts funny. him to pray it later. But I was the Got same. It. I didn't. I didn't know that it was a cover until until then. So, but yeah. this is a really cool song. Musically speaking, I'll speak to that. You guys can weigh in on whatever else you want to. But there's a there's like a tempo map. I'm assuming they were recording digitally. Uh, it's the mid '90s, so they probably had some of that some of that there. But I don't think they were recording to tape. But there's a tempo map because the beginning of the song starts out pretty slow, kind of a lazy groove, and then it totally changes tempos by the time they get to the dance. I mean, Michael Tate, Michael Tate, and Kevin Max's voice together is is just unbelievable. It was meant to be providential. Back to the original tempo. Pretty cool little thing they did there. Once again, kind of something that people were not bands were not doing that in pop Christian music. That was not a thing that was really happening. Amy Grant never did that. (laughs) Give me a Sandy Patty track that's that (laughs) intense. Also, the sixteenth notes on the drums on the brilliant. Oh, it's so brilliant drumming there. So good. Anything else you guys feel about this song? I'm just really excited about the next track. Okay. Because as a kid, well, I was going to ask if anyone has a backstory on this because I googled it and I couldn't find anything. My well, I was going to ask. You mentioned earlier they recorded in a house, and I always wondered as a kid, like, is this a real story? And a yeah. real lady that like lived next to the house where they were recording. That's my assumption. That's my guess. They they recorded the House of Insomnia. They've been posting a ton of stuff, by the way, because it's the 25th anniversary. They released all this new merchandise. Their Twitter and Instagram has been really busy lately. They've been posting a lot of old pictures from when they recorded the album. But they haven't said anything about this, but that would be my assumption too. The House of Insomnia, that they were just making a lot of noise and then they thought it was funny. That, and they recorded this lady like Mrs. Morgan telling her story, and it does have that hip hop feel Morgan. that you were talking about, Chris. The next door neighbor, I just love this. As a and uh, the goatees, <laughs> the goatees, the goatee brothers. Wasn't that they, that, that, they the like goatee records? Ah, yeah, yeah. Toby Max record. Ms. Morgan, we got a live drummer. I think I think you can hear them laughing at the end. If you go to yeah. the end, I think yeah. you can hear them I laughing. He's gonna be a dead drummer. Yeah. And that was the last I heard of the drummer that day. So this song, this was the song. Just such a good change. It just that pad, the pad and the acoustic, 
and Kevin Max doing that? Now, now we've talked about how there are some things on this record. Oh my goodness. Now listen to this. They're in G and they go to E right here on the verse. Completely different key change. That's the second time we've seen that them do that. They go for they did G, on Jesus Freak. Yeah, they go from G major, and they do this really, uh, really elegant like chord progression in G major, where they're going out. They're even going outside of that key too. But wow. then they go straight to E on the verses for this song. So it's who beautiful. got credit for writing the music? I don't know. I mean, my assumption is that uh, the producer, like Toby Mac, and the other guy, Mark Heimerman, put a lot of those arrangements together. But I don't know. They had this other guy that I saw named John Mark Painter who has worked with a lot of artists and done a lot of things. And he got like, like a co-producing role, uh, credit or something like that. So maybe he had something to do with it, but the, you're right. The arrangements are really interesting. Yes. So this They're was not normal. This was the song that was the most successful song on the album and like a broader yeah. appeal, right? Yeah. It said the internet told me that this song charted on the billboard hot 100 at number 29. So the Hot 100 is like your radio station singles. Casey and it Kasem. was number 29 on the secular radio stations, which wow. is really high. Yeah. And this song is awesome. Yeah. So I love this song. In the documentary that you can find on YouTube, they talk about writing this song. And this song came out of all the conflict that they were having with one another Just when they were on tour. Yeah. And so they talk about a moment where I can't remember where they were, but they had gotten into a big fight right before a show. And so Michael uh, Tate and Toby Mac walk out and they start performing and Kevin Max doesn't come out. And for a second there, they're like, oh my goodness, we're going to have to do this show without him. This is going to be insane. And then I think maybe at the end of the first song or the beginning of the second song, he walks out and starts singing. I think he crawled out of the bass drum. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently he like went over and put his arm around uh, Michael Tate and Michael Tate was like, you know, we worked through it later, but... That's when I knew it was going to be okay in, in the documentary. So, but they talk about how they talk about dealing with conflict. They talk about their relationship with one another. And then they talk about how interesting it is that this song is the one that had the most success on the entire album when it came out of like all this conflict that they had. So I thought it was interesting. Another song about repentance and forgiveness. I know. And reconciliation. I know, well, and I know we talk about, oh, we, we've said that there are some cheesy things on this record. And sure. I mean, that's always going to happen, you know, with, yeah. with the passing of time and such. But man, some of these lines in this song oh, are so good. I mean, even the opening, sorrow is a lonely feeling, unsettled is a painful place. Yeah, come on. Uh, I mean, like... Come on, Tate. I don't know. It just... Uh, I've been wrestling with my conscience, and I've found myself to blame. blame. If there's to be any resolution, i got to peel my pride away. You should play the song for a little bit. Feel, <laughs> it just feels... Man, it feels good. I'd rather just hear Brad. If, conf- if confession is the road... <laughs> If confession is the road to healing, forgiveness is the promised land. Yeah, a couple preacher lines in there. Listen to the way Kevin Mack sings this next line. It's so good. This note. Key change. That bass. There's so much happening. I can't even... Kind of lips. It feels so nice. Cargyle, you it's, talking? Uh, it's you, a perfect song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You you talking about that bass part right there. So I told y'all that the band from like DC Talks Traveling Band would eventually become Zilch. And you asked if they put out any other albums. So I went to look and I just learned something. This this blew my mind. Zilch began as DC Talks Traveling Band, and under that name, in 1997, they put out one album. And the name of the album was Platinum, which is maybe a little a little, yeah. little bit too aspirational there. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. But they continued to put out music, but under a different name that all of you know. Creed. Sonic Flood. Oh. What? Is that not mind-blowing Whoa. right and that, there? That first album by Sonic Flood's awesome. That worship album. I, I had no idea. So, yeah, there you That's go. That's crazy. That's crazy. If you listen to the, huh. the Zilch album, Platinum, You'll, I mean, they definitely change the sound a bit, but you'll notice some of the DC Talk influences and even like, uh, you know, the Mrs. Morgan thing and the little tidbits here and there. They do that kind of thing on that Zilch album. Oh. So anyway, but that's just mind blowing because Sonic Flood went on to be so influential as far as like the worship side of the industry. Yeah, yeah. The last musical thing I wanted to say is this bridge. They do another key change into the bridge, and it's it's so beautiful. What is happening? Like, they wouldn't get a Spanish guitar player. <laughs> yeah, Esteban came out. He's like, hold it, guys. I got it. I got this bridge. I just love Let that mixture, play. though. The way they mixed that nylon guitar yeah. right there with, like and, and, and with the distorted guitar right behind it. Yeah, it's like the edge playing <laughs> Spanish guitar. Oh, so good. To say. Well, guys, we're just now crossing the halfway point. All we right. may need to speed this next up song. a little. <laughs> One thing I was going to mention too, Chris, this goes into our next song, but you mentioned it earlier about the hip-hop feel. The way that they – so when you get a record mastered, a part of getting a record mastered is that they take like the ends and the beginnings of each song, and they can determine like how much space and time is between each track. So what happens on this record that I love is that a lot of songs end, and then right away it goes right into the next track. This song in particular – Right into the verse. Like it, love it, hate it. Under these this is sort of like a punk vibe. They got kind of nineties teen movie. <laughs> crazy synth, crazy synth sounds. And they're like the muted guitar. That's Toby Mac. Yeah. Don't is it really interesting? That's that's Toby Mac singing. I'm pretty sure. I think it is. Yeah, because he's kind of got that whiny this suggestion. And I did hear another triangle hit. Yeah, there was. <laughs> I think they've snuck that, that in. That triangle at some point guy was. Track. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, the the next track. We can, can oh, we, do you want to do you want to keep rolling or do you, no, do you we have can more keep you rolling? All say? I was gonna say is the lyrics on the first verse. They don't seem to caro. This is my <laughs> yeah. generation drowning in despero. <laughs> yeah, coming up. <laughs> A few duds on the record. I know Come, you need some Jesus in your life. Coming right off of the uh, Between You and Me, this, uh, which John Mark proclaimed is a perfect song, this uh, this one is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I do love that song. I but do, track I nine, song. guys, All right. one of my favorites. Jesus Freak Reprise. What would people think? <laughs> I have no idea who that is singing. No idea. There's a, there's a kid that just went right over my head. Like, I, I, I didn't pick up on this, I you think, know? I think that's Toby. I don't know, man. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> it doesn't sound like one of them. Continue. 
member of the band? You don't think it's one of them just being silly? I bet it's one That's of the musicians. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to say that's Kevin Max. It could be now. It could be Kevin Max, actually. I used to love showing this to my friends that had never heard the album because I thought it was so funny, just this one track. Like, listen, I know you don't like Christian music, but this is hilarious. Thank you. Smashing Pumpkins don't do this. Uh, Shelby County. They call out Shelby County. You think they're you think they're referring to Shelby County, Alabama? I bet there's I bet, a couple of Shelby County. I mean, I'm County. sure there's several, but for me, I, I grew up in Shelby County, so that was you like it was it. Shelby County. Is that's great. That's excellent and awesome. Uh, track ten in the light. This is a, another cover. This is Charlie Peacock, uh, who's another Christian artist. Great little East. splash intro there. Yeah, yeah. There's some An good acoustic. splash. This is like a Dave Matthews. I was kinda. just about to say that. <laughs> Can you imagine Dave singing over this? Tripping bellies. As Sounds like Jimmy Fallon's impression of Dave. My youth group did a drama to this song, and so I will always. Oh, like a Dow Rod, like a like a music video, like a live. Yes. What they call them, living yes. videos. I thought or we something? were calling human videos. Human videos. That's it. I had the For hardest time not laughing during those. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's it's an a interesting great, song. A great song. The, the band really like does some fun things if you listen to that song. So check that out. Track eleven. What have we become? I actually love these two. These last two tracks, like full songs to me, they're like way tucked at the back of the record. They're kind of deep cuts. Out, they're some of my favorites. Yeah. This song is well, amazing. And in the documentary, when Michael Tate's talking about his Evo. experience in the restaurant, this yeah. is the song, song that starts playing while he's oh. talking about it. So there might be you know, some of that in this too. The preacher shuns his brother because his yes. bride's a different color. Oh, my gosh, dude. In 95? <laughs> it's amazing. I know. I know. Kevin Max, thank you. What a voice. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty intense lyrics. Very intense. There's a really cool bass riff on the chorus. That's sorry, everybody. That wah. Dude, yeah, and it just keeps so getting good. more intense. Y'all remember the next verse is about yes. like parents like going through kind of like a divorce at Christmas time, and yes. and the daughter like as a result of these parents fighting like takes her own life. I mean, like, yeah, very yeah. intense. It's a heavy yes. song. That's probably to me an that... inconvenient child. She wasn't worth their while. Yeah, cool. And they do this. Uh, they do like an interesting ding when they sing Chris the Christmas part. They do like Kevin Max just says ding dong. In the back, he's like, ding dong. It's like a really interesting production move they do there. I think that's that may be Michael Tate's best verse on the, the whole album, I think. It's just... Leave them grieving. The gift she gave a family would be the bill she'd take. Wow. Very intense. That song rocks. And there's a flute solo at the end, which wow. I'm like, what are they... 
Yeah. Michael Tate was an amazing flautist. (laughs) The band absolutely slays it. That is a blistering song. The bridge is super intense. That's the what about love, what about God. They do these hits on the two beat. That real filtered Toby Mac thing that he's doing. What and that, that bass player is blowing my mind. Oh, he is. Is it, is it Huggy Bear? Is that his Huggy name? Bear, I yeah. bet he's got that thing just strapped up to his chin. Oh, man. <laughs> no pick. Yeah. No picks allowed. Sugar Bear. Sugar Bear. Because they introduce him on the Zilch album. Oh. Sugar Bear. So, yeah. so that song ends. Oh, it ends with like a spiritual. They do this cool spiritual at the end of that. And then uh, it goes right into Mind's Eye, which is kind of a really cool, darker. Dude, before, uh, I mean, you can keep playing it, but all the last thing I was going to say about um, the, the previous track before Mind's Eye is another song that's like a call to repentance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's all over them. Like, it was not a shy record. No. Or subtle. No. <laughs> well, I think the title know, gave it away. You know gave it away. We, like, we're not going to be <laughs> subtle. Well, you know how we talk about, like, the church needs good art? And that's not just like a highbrow thing to say. It's like that rock and roll can really be an avenue for a prophetic voice to come in and be heard in a way that it may not be heard through like another medium, whether that's a, a sermon, whether that's a conversation, whether that's an interview, whatever it may be. Like, But to s- the lyrics and the melodies and everything that they do in the album coming together, I mean, it just packs this punch I- that that just leaves you floored well, in, I, in, in this state of reflection sometimes. So. I mean, I think the thing that's so unique, too, is like one of the things we'll talk about when we talk about the church needing good art is that a lot of the times when the church does like on-the-nose art, like this is really explicit right. gospel or whatever through art. That's right? where because, art becomes propaganda. Well, well, and it, well, it can feel really cheesy when it's done that yeah. way, too. But like this is like on the nose, right? <laughs> in your face. like really, But it's it's just really good. On the yeah. nose, but very well. The lyrics are, are still nuanced enough. There's, it's, it's. You know what they're talking about, but it's creative enough to where it doesn't get into a cheesy place. Mm. In my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Most of the time, there are there are a few well, those, there are those, moments that Shakiro and whatever that line Dis- was. Despero. Oh, Kiro. Despero. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting move. This song, Mind's Eye, is the last full song on the record. Of course, down in a Pretty cool, like, classic whisper, Toby Mack. Yep. This guitar riff right here? Oh, organ. Maybe the best organ move right here? They, they just do this thing where they it's like very tense, it's very dark, and then it just lifts. Yeah. They do that over and over again. You guys hear the cowbell? Oh, yeah, man. Is that Will Ferrell back there? I bet they had so much fun making oh, this album. All the that cowbell. All the ear candy. I like to call it ear candy. It's just everything that's happening in the, in the song. Uh, I just love that. You know what I'm going through. I know it's true because you stood in my shoes. That's good. You love it. You love it. So we get a Billy Graham. We get a Billy Graham audio clip on this. That's right. Which is pretty cool. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is that at? It's about midway through the song. I was about to say, if you remember where that is, can you you see God? Before that? 
Oh, yeah, right there. I saw the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Billy Graham. There's a mystery to it. There's a mystery to it. Great chorus. Great hook. Great hook. They got the U2 style guitar going. So many great vocal parts. Just. <laughs> All the fills. There's so many great vocal fills on this album. I can't express that enough. Oh, one thing musically, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> this is probably the only mistake to me on the whole album is at oh, the very wow. end. Okay. Listen to this. The drummer goes to a, a, a groove with the splash symbol. Check this out. It's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what a splash symbol is. It's a really tiny symbol. That's it right there. I'm like, why? <laughs> why did he do that? I mean, it's yeah. not the worst thing that could happen, but he could have just stayed yeah. on the ride or the... the I don't know. That, for being a, being a drummer, that's kind of... Yeah, the China yeah. would have been yeah, pretty rocking. Been cool. That's just me being very nitpicky. No, I, but I haven't I been nitpicky that. this whole time. <laughs> that's the only thing. We've no, just that's been a good observation. I wouldn't have even noticed that. Love for and they DC do a talk. cool baritone <laughs> guitar there at the end. Okay, that's that's all I got to say about that. Well, and this is totally random, but it, uh, go check out uh, Billy Graham being interviewed by Woody Allen on a TV oh, show. Oh yeah, no, it's great. Uh, Billy Graham being in this just reminded me of that. It's a really great interview. Billy Graham does a great job. They have a great conversation. It's pretty cool. All right, and then the last track is uh, Kevin Max just being weird, and I and I kind of love it. Uh, they recall the intro from "So Help Me God." Oh, I thought it was Soundgarden. It does sound like Soundgarden, doesn't it? Yeah. So they recall the intro, um, and then it's just. Oh wait, hold on. Sorry, that was the wrong track. <laughs> that was the wrong track, but it just so happened to be the same thing. Oh, I see what they did. Okay. So what just happened was I'm playing the remastered version. The remastered version, they remastered it, and they took away the two minutes of silence before the strings come in. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, that messed up the whole thing. But, yeah, on the original version, they do that guitar intro, then there's silence for about two minutes. Hmm. And then the strings come in, and Kevin Max does this really cool little spoken word. Alas, my... It's like, it's like a hidden track. It's like a hidden track. You remember hitting tracks on CDs? Oh, I live for that. One man against the night. You'd be like, why is the last Taking track on a ten minutes? There was one on uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. Yeah. Because four minutes of it is silence. Vigil could light the waiting to get to the Darkness hit the ground like a fallen satellite. Like a fallen satellite. He wrestled until morning with human souls and dark angels. Wow. <laughs> so cool. He's from the Book of Enoch. It feels like the voiceover and like the prologue of a TV show or something. So cool. I don't know. I wonder what made them decide to to do that, but I I thought that was cool. That was probably just Kevin Max being like, I just want to do something weird. Yeah, but Toby hey, Toby Mac approved it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. So who do you think uh gets the MVP award on this album? Who do you think? I'm going Toby Mac for for production. Gosh. Mm. Toby Mac for production? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. I, I I think vocally it's Kevin. I think vocally well, Kevin Max definitely gets so the MVP. You just can't you can't separate it. I mean, like each one of those people had to be there in order for right. this to happen. Like with so like I feel like the reason they did a rock album was partially because Kevin Max maybe and probably Lil Michael Tate, but Kevin yeah. Max being like, I want to do a rock album. Like yeah. I don't even listen to rap music. Why? What are we doing? <laughs> John Mark, it's uh, like you're I heard asking it, us what the best ingredient in a cake I heard, is. I heard, a, I heard an interview with Kevin Max, and they were asking what his favorite rap, who his favorite rapper was, and he's like, I don't, I've never listened to rap music. <laughs> <laughs> he just um, said Toby Mac. Gosh, it's 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 too hard for me. I I mean, three gold, three gold stars. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's a winner in my book. Yeah, it's strong. Such a millennial answer. One more question. <laughs> I'm gonna make this easy for you guys, or well. Easier because who's your I was, favorite member of the Trinity? I was right? thinking about that way. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> so, I want each of you to tell me what your favorite song is, but you can't choose Jesus Freak, and the reason being because number one is just so obvious. We've all heard it a million times. So, what do you think your favorite song off the record would be outside of that? You can't choose that one. Back when I first heard it. Or, like, if I was picking today? Do both. Okay. (laughs) Well, I I think that the song that I probably listened to the most uh, outside of Jesus Freak back then, just looking at the the track listing Uh here, was probably In the Light. Oh, wow. Surprise. I was not expecting that. As a kid, like, I I don't know why. I just loved that song, and I remember listening to that one just over and over again a ton. Wow. As far as, like, today goes oh man uh, i don't know i might have to go between you and me that's good i might have to go between that's you a and strong me. pick mm. Mm. for me i was going to say it's very hard but probably so hard i love them all i love them all when i started You're getting, asking me to pick my favorite child when i started listening to this album again recently leave i keep coming back <laughs> i keep coming back to what have we become that's that's probably my favorite. So song. intense, so I like intense. It. There's yeah. a lot of things going on. I feel like it wouldn't have it. mattered what you just said. I could have been like, yeah, that was the one I was considering. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I really loved Day by Day. I really liked that mm-hmm. song a lot. Yeah. Mm. All right, you two guys, Cargill, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to go with Jonathan on this. In the light is as a kid. And I would say even now, just listening to it, it is so good. Did we even talk about this? I don't even remember talking about it. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, 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 we had to run blackout. a little bit faster. Oh, so it would be either that or What If I Stumbled. That was oh, yeah. huge for me oh, good. growing up as well. You know, that was yeah. one I was considering. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I stumbled a lot. Yeah. No, I was going to say What If I Stumble as a kid, too. I just re- deeply resonated yeah. with that song. Um, but as I've gone back and listened to the album, if I'm just being honest, and there's nothing profound with this, I just keep listening to s- the beginning of So Help Me God. I'll listen to the beginning that of intro. it. That intro. And <laughs> then I'll, so I'll stop, and then I'll go back, and I'll listen to it again. <laughs> it's never so, listened to the whole song. I never listen. I, I listen to the whole song. But I just keep listening to that beginning over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's so good. That was one I considered saying, too. But I'll also I'll also say, and this this will be another um, 
another podcast probably, but okay. the Supernatural album. I've I've just been I've been listening to that probably more than Jesus Freak album. Ooh, so yeah. would you would you say that you like that one more than Jesus Freak? I don't know. I played the fifth. I think out of their albums, Jesus Freak is probably my favorite. I did used to listen to Free at Last a lot. I, I remember I loving the, li- a lot. Wow, the okay. live album that they put out, Welcome to the Freak Show. Oh, yeah, that was great, I, too. I remember loving that one. I think the Supernatural tour was my first album, so I might be a little biased. Okay. Uh, sorry, not my first album, my first concert. Oh, yeah. That, yeah I, could see I that. liked uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. <laughs> On that note... Smash you pumpkins. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think you, yeah. I'm never getting invited back. Think, yeah. Well. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Job. We did it. 25th anniversary. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to the album more. I, I've been listening I, to it all day, I'm and I just want to go listen long. to it more. My kids are going to want to listen to Christmas music tonight while we drive around and do the Christmas <laughs> yeah. Express. I'm going to be like, hey, no! check out the documentary, too. It's great. Yeah, the documentary on YouTube. Uh, Chris's band did a cover of Jesus Freak. His band was That's Chasing true. Victory, so you can listen to that on Apple Music. We'll plug yep. that. You um, can find there, it was a whole cover album, not us, but a lot of bands do it. I guess I think it was on the tenth uh, anniversary. Wow. Oh, of, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, we were on a wow. I think tenth uh, anniversary for Jesus Freak okay. in two thousand five. That's very cool. Yeah. If you enjoyed this. If you like the album, if you hate the album, if you have some comments, please email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Maybe there's uh, another CCM album or worship album that you'd like for us to talk about. You can send your suggestions to us. We'd be happy to get an email. (laughs) Can I request Rich Mullins? Yes. uh, The Ragamuffin. You want to come be on that? Oh, if you would let me in the room to talk about Rich Mullins. Oh, yeah? Okay. It will be profound. Which which album again? Uh, a life, a liturgy, a ragamuffin okay. band. Okay. So what we'll do? Let's 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 plan on that next year, Chris. Let's do that. We'll bring you back in and we'll do that album. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope you uh, listen to that whole thing. DC Talk. DC Talk. Jesus Freak. Twenty fifth anniversary. They have a ton of merch um, out right now. It, yeah. I just got merch. it on vinyl. I just got Jesus yes. Freak on vinyl. Yes. So it's great. All right, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek. Peace. Is there mold on the wall? Yeah.